Good morning. Welcome to St. James. I'm glad that you're here. I'm going to uh, do the announcement slowly today because we have a, a, something special I want you to, uh, to hear in just a minute. Uh, we do have youth confirmation class after Bible study. At, um, so we'll start at 11.45 and go till 12.45. Uh, probably start closer to noon. Uh, no, uh, no new members class tonight. I have to do a, a wedding this afternoon, and that's going to bleed over until this evening. So, and I think I told everybody who, who participates in that last week, but if you were going to come to new members class, don't come tonight because we won't be having it. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock, uh, there's going to be an informational meeting about the mission trip that the youth group is going on. Uh, this summer, and if you have any questions, ask Ruth about that. Ruth, is there anything else that needs to be said? Okay. Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock, just show up. Next Sunday, June 4th, you can see that uh, we're having um, a kickoff for the youth group, uh, for the youth group and um, elementary age Sunday school program for this year, which is going to be a little bit different than what we've normally been do doing the past few years. Uh, Cheryl's got a great plan. Um, the youth group is going to be helping lead uh, the younger kids uh, through their Sunday school this summer. We're going to kick that off, and uh, we'll learn all about that in the uh, Bible study time right after that uh, next Sunday. Make sure you fill out the, um, the guest books at the end of the aisle and pass that down the road so other, everybody else can fill it out as well. And then um, that's all I have. But I am going to have uh, Kate Weber is going to come forward, and she has an unbelievable, uh, God's called her to do something really cool. And I'll just stop talking and let her tell you about it. Okay, is it, oh, yeah, it's on. Um, hi, my name is Kate Weber, if we have not met already, and I'm just going to share a little bit about a ministry opportunity that I, <clears throat> sorry, have been given um, at UMKC's campus in Kansas City. Um, so for the past semester, um, God has really been moving in my heart for um, unreached people groups. So unreached people groups are um, people that are going to be born, live, and then die without ever hearing about the hope of Jesus um, or ever hearing the name of Jesus. So there are roughly um, 3.2 billion people that are unreached with the gospel, um, ranging from northern Africa um, all the way over to China. Um, so these people are unreached because they, it's illegal to be a follower of Jesus in these countries um, because for some of the tribal people, it's difficult to physically get to the places that they are. Um, and then also because the Bible is not translated in their language. Um, so after just learning about all of this, I feel like God was really moving in my heart to um, do something about it um, and be active in God's global mission. And that's when I heard about um, international student ministries. So by God's grace, there are international students that are being sent over to America from those unreached people groups. Um, there's a little bit over a million international students um, that are coming to college campuses on our backyards that are from countries such as India, China, Japan, um, that are eager to... Um, be welcomed into America. 
So I started helping out with a nonprofit called International Fellowship at Missouri State's campus. Um, and what they do is they inter invite international students to Monday night Bible studies um, where we open up God's word, where we feel like real life transformation happens from them being able to discover who God is, who Jesus is, um, and how that truly applies to their life. Um, so after helping out with International Fellowship, um, there was an opportunity for a co-director, um, the female lead at UMKC's campus. Um, so I will be going up to UMKC's campus um, in the beginning of July, and I will be kind of starting um, International Fellowship there. They've only been there for about um, two years now, um, but we just got organization status, so that means that we now can have events on campus um, and go on campus and recruit students. So I'm really excited um, about that, and if that's something that you guys um, are passionate about as well, right now I am building um, a support team of people that will come alongside me with um, prayer, encouragement, um, and financial support. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'll be in the back after church, and I would love to, to talk to you guys about ways to get involved um, with the ways that God's moving at UMKC's campus. So thank you. Turn that back on. I'm going to say something real quick because Kate didn't really put the screws to us like she probably could have. So th this is a huge step of faith that she's taking. Like she graduated, she got a, a job, a good paying job, and then God called her to this ministry where she has to raise her own money. And we have, a bunch of us have been praying for five years now that God would make St. James kind of a launching pad for kingdom work happening all over the world. And we've seen it happen. There's tons of people who do mission trips. That's so cool. Kate's actually, she's a missionary. Like this is not, she doesn't get paid. And so she's gonna rely on uh, people to come along, like she said, and partner with her. And so what I wanna do is I wanna, we're gonna pray for her here in just a second. But I also, um, we need to, as a church, and this is really kind of on us. This is, we're her home church. And so we're going to need to pray that God can use us to support her financially so that she can do this as well too. So let's be praying for this year for that to happen. And also too, like when she's, when she, after the service, go talk to her as well. Because if you're around Kate, like she just like exudes passion and energy and you'll get fired up about the ministry too. So 30 seconds, let's pray for her right now. God, I pray that you would be with... Uh, this uh, ministry that you've called Kate to and that you would be with her and that you would be constantly filling her up and empowering her with your Holy Spirit to do the work that you've called her there to, to bring uh, the love and justice and mercy and peace of your gospel to the lives of these people that she's going to be coming in contact with, uh, many of whom, like she said, have not heard the gospel before and don't know who, who you are and don't know your son Jesus Allow us to partner with her, Lord. Allow us to walk alongside with her uh, as compatriots, uh, praying with her, supporting her uh, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and financially too. And allow us to see your kingdom grow all over the place because of the work that your Holy Spirit's been doing here at our church and in the life of Kate in particular. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing the opening hymn.
Let's continue in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. I confess to God Almighty before the whole company of heaven and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by my fault, by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. Wherefore, I pray, God Almighty, to have mercy on me, forgive me all my sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. The Almighty. Amen. I confess to God Almighty before the whole company of heaven and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by my fault by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. Wherefore, I pray, God Almighty, to have mercy on me, forgive me all my sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you pardon, forgiveness, and remission of all your sins. Amen. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The psalm reading this morning is from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. 
O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. Testament reading is from Numbers chapter 11, and it's the tail end of the story uh, where Moses is uh, kind of weighed down by the burden of caring for all the people. And so his father-in-law says, you need to delegate some of this to other, you can't be the sole leader, you're just not big enough for that. 
And so delegate this to some elders, which is what he does. The key thing for us here this morning on Pentecost Sunday is to notice the work of the Holy Spirit in this text. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. And now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they'd not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And of course, Pentecost Sunday is the fulfillment of this wish, this prayer on Moses' part, which gets reiterated throughout the Old Testament as well, that there would come a day when God would put his spirit on, on all of his people, which happens in, uh, as described in the Acts reading. This is the first part of the Pentecost story, the first part of Peter's sermon, and then we'll, we'll read the, next, uh, the, the second half next week. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were astonished, amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 7. Glory to you, O Lord. 
On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Confess with me, if you will, our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You all may be seated, and if the seniors, the high school graduating seniors could come forward and stand here in front of me, and they're not all here, but the three best ones are here. <laughs> Marlena and Josh and Medea, um, two uh, graduating from high school off to college, one graduating from high school and going back to Majorca, Spain, sad to leave the wonders of the American Midwest <laughs> to go back to uh, Majorca. These people are a part of our church and they leave and they go off and they're doing other stuff other places. But they're still in our family. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for them as, I mean, they're not leaving right now, but um, they will be uh, at the end of the summer. Or no, actually, Medea is leaving in a, a couple days, right? Oh, man. So we're going to pray for them, and we're going to commit to praying for them because they're our people. They're, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, brother and sisters in Christ. And um, rejoice when we get to see them again, but keep them connected with us via prayer and also um, care baskets and uh, stuff like that too. So let's pray for them together as they go off to school. Afterwards, um, we have Bibles that the adult Bible study, uh, we've been doing this every year, um, Bibles that they wrote comments in for them and highlighted verses that, that, that have been important to those of you who did this, and we'll give those to them uh, later. And uh, are we eating food downstairs? Is it, there's some cake. There's food and some cake for, to, to, we can celebrate uh, after this in the adult Bible study time and in the youth group study time. But right now, let's pray for them, okay? Father, I thank you so much for Mar and for Josh and Maria, and I just thank you for the gift that they are to our congregation and um, the way that they 
in the different ways that you've gifted them have lifted us up and have completed what has been lacking in our church if it wasn't for the three of them. We give you praise and glory that in your sovereignty you've brought the the three of them into our lives and we pray that you would continue to bless them, watch over them, keep them steadfast in the faith as they go uh, off into a different stage of their educational career that you would empower them with your Holy Spirit and that you would uh, give them the strength to do the things that you've called them to do, mainly be good students, uh, be good uh, children to their parents, be good friends to their friends and to continue to be faithful members of your church. Watch over them, Lord. We don't have the power to keep them safe in your kingdom. The church doesn't, but you do. They don't even have the power to do this themselves, but you do, Father. And we trust that you'll do this for your own glory and for their good. Once again, we praise and thank you for who they are and who you've called them to be in the way that you love them and the way that they've blessed us with their presence. And we pray that you would be with them from now, uh, both now and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may return to your seats. The rest of us will stand and we'll sing the sermon hymn. Call in dangers of 
You may be seated. So today is Pentecost Sunday, but I actually want to talk to you about a different one of the Jewish festivals, if I can. Uh, the Festival of Booths, or the Festival of Tabernacles. There's three big Jewish festivals, the three traveling festivals. You've got uh, Passover, uh, the Festival of Weeks, which is uh, Pentecost, happens uh, 49 days after Passover, uh, which we're celebrating today. And then you have the Festival of Booths, which happens in the autumn. And I'd like to talk about that one for just a few minutes, and you'll see why that's important in just a second, I think. Um, all Jews were uh, required, is too strong a word, but strongly encouraged to travel to Jerusalem for these three, that's why they're called the traveling festivals, travel to Jerusalem for these th three great festivals where they would all gather together and celebrate whatever, the festi whatever these festivals represented. And uh, the Festival of Booths is famous because it's the one, maybe some of you have heard of this before, it's the one where uh, God's people would for that week live in temporary makeshift shelters. They'd build themselves little booths. And they would live in them. Like, could, could be like tents or uh, some, sometimes just cheap boards put up like in a square. And they would all live inside of those booths for the week. And it did a couple things. The Festival of Booths goes back, it's 3,000 years old, um, but still celebrated today uh, by Jews all over the world. It does a couple things. One, by living in the booths, it's a reminder of the way they lived in the wilderness between uh, Passover and getting to the promised land and how they traveled around in tents and makeshift shelters. And so for one week a year, they travel around in makeshift shelters to say, this is kind of part of our heritage. This is who we are. We're the people who lived in tents for 40 years. Some of that's our fault, of course. We rebelled against God, but he protected us. As we were living in these booths, we protected us and watched over us and provided for us. Uh, we had manna, we had quail, we had water from the rock. The other thing that the, that the festival of booths turned into later on was a harvest festival because it happened in autumn. It was, uh, it was celebrated in autumn when the harvest would come in. And they would celebrate God's gift to them of all the food that he gave them. So how, how are these two themes like living in tents in the wilderness and celebrating harvest connected. Well, I mean, you can see it. It's, it's, it's not super hard to draw the connection. Out in the wilderness, the, the, in the desert, there was no produce. There was no crops. They didn't farm. They were just kind of living by the providence of God. Like whatever he would give them, that's what they would have. And so they trusted on him to provide food, to provide water. But that was always looking forward to a day that they'd been promised when they would get to the promised land, and then there would be plenty of food all the time. And those two things were linked. I provide you food and water in the desert, God says. I'll also someday provide you the promised land where you have food and water too. So they celebrate both of these things. They celebrate the journey to the promised land, and in the promised land, they celebrate what God has promised and now paid out to them. And because of that, the Festival of Booths has always been a new creation festival. You're looking forward to the time when God provides food all the time and water all the time and the world is no more a desert. And our rebellion, which put us in the desert for 40 years, them literally and us figuratively here in this age, that's gonna be done away with, that rebellion, and everything is gonna be good. All the bad things are gonna be undone and there will be food and wine and water and shelter, a plenty for everybody forever. 
So the festival booth is always kind of oriented in that direction. And we know what it looked like. We know what this festival looked like every year because historians, Josephus, one of them, tells us about it. The rabbis in the Mishnah describe it too. It's a very, very impressive series of days. It was seven days. It's actually eight days of these massive celebrations. And the highlight every day of the Festival of Booth celebration would be the, 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 the in-gathering of the water festival during the morning sacrifices every day. So when the temple was standing, the way it would look would be this. A priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam, down at the southern edge of the city, just outside the city of Walls, and he had a big, huge gold flagon, and he would fill that flagon with water from the Pool of Siloam. And there would be a procession back up through Jerusalem into the temple complex, through the water gate, and into the temple. And for the first six days, the priest would come in, and with that flagon of water, would circle the altar and would sing the Hallel. Would all of them sing together, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 together. And if you know anything about Psalm 118, it's a magnificent temple psalm. And everybody would sing and would shout. They would, um, in their right hands, they would uh, wave around, all the, all the audience would, would wave around uh, a bunch of uh, uh, myrtle branches and like produce and would wave that in their right hand and a piece of citrus fruit in their left hand and they would all shout three times, thanks be to God. On the last day, everybody in the entire temple complex would rotate inside the temple walls around the temple building itself, singing and shouting. One rabbi said later on, this is in the Mishnah, a rabbi said, if you think that you've ever been happy, you don't know if you've ever truly been happy or not unless you've been to the Festival of Booth celebration and been happy there. And if you've done that, then you know what happiness truly is. Apparently, and this, it wasn't just this guy, lots of people said this was like the apex of emotional excitement was this festival where they would circle the temple and shout this, thanks be to God. At the end of the circling, the priest would go up onto the altar and he would take that huge flagon of water and he would also have another huge golden flagon of wine, which was a part of the normal morning sacrifice. And the priest would take both of those and dump those out onto the altar and everybody would go nuts. And this would happen for, for seven days. And what they're doing is they're celebrating this part of the festival of booths, that God is the God who gives water. The desert, we didn't have water unless God providentially gave it to us. In the promised land, we get rain, a plenty, but don't, don't imagine that that's some sort of natural thing. That too is a gift from God. And every year when we bring in the harvest, we're gonna celebrate that it's the God who gives us this water to make our crops grow. In fact, Zachariah, just, I'll read this to you. It's a good, good illustration of this theme, which you don't really know like if, unless, you're, unless you're a first century Jew. It's not the kind of thing that just, the Bible doesn't stop and explain it because it was written for first century Jews and just assumes they all know it. Zechariah 14. So if, uh, Zechariah, if, if you walked with us through the Revelation series, Zechariah is very much like Revelation. Tons of apocalyptic Im imagery. Zechariah 14 is the last chapter in Zechariah. And it pictures this final cosmic battle between all the pagan nations of the world fighting against God's people. Some of those pagan nations get destroyed because... They get confused and start killing each other. 
Others don't, and they get converted, and they become worshipers of the one true God. And right at the end of Zechariah, here's what God says through Zechariah. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem, so all the nations that have been converted to worship the one true God, shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. So all these Gentiles are going to come and they're going to join with us and they're going to be a part of the story as well. They're going to recognize that God is the God who gives rain in the desert as a foretaste of the new creation rain that he's going to give for all time when we'll never be hungry again. But, he says, if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. So that's, very, very, that's one of the most explicit spots in the Bible where it connects it says out loud what, all, what, what every Jew would be thinking, but it's hard for us to get into, like I said, that the festival of booths is about this promise of rain that God gives to his people. Whether they're in the desert because of their own rebellion, whether they're living in the promised land, or someday in the new creation, God will make all things grow because he's a good God. Now, it's on the last day of this feast, and you can look at the gospel reading with me now if you want. The great day. In the middle of this water festival, that Jesus stands up and cries out in the middle of this great festival, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Do you understand how radical that is? I mean, you, can, you, know, you read that without the context, and oh, Jesus is standing up and saying cryptic religious spiritual things that are designed to, I don't know, make us feel Jesus feels or think Jesus thoughts. And actually what he's doing is he's taking this great, fantastic celebration and he's crying out. The Greek word is the word for like yelling out and saying, everybody, look at me right now. I can actually cure your thirst. If anybody in here wants water, come to me and I will give you to drink. Jesus takes the festival of booths and he makes it about himself. Jesus takes the whole story of God's people from our 40 years of being in the wilderness because of our own rebellion, trusting completely upon him to provide for us in our need, pointing us on this narrative arc towards the new creation when he makes all things new by the power of his resurrection and says, this is me. I'm the one that can do this. Are you thirsty? This is great to watch this, 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 uh, th th this drama unfolding here where the priests pour out the water upon the altar. It's great to cheer as long as everybody here in the temple complex knows that this is really about me. And if you want your thirst quenched, You've got to come here to me. This is about Jesus. So there's two things I'm going to give you here, um, and then we'll be done. I'm going to try to be quick this morning. First, the promise of new creation is given to those who, here's the key, believe in Jesus. Look down at verse 37. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is the fountain through which this living water comes. 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The key to tap into this is faith in Jesus. And I, I know this is Christianity 101 for many of you, but Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm the focal point, come here to me. There's tons of people who are promising you that they know how to quench your thirst. They're making promises to you that your thirst can be quenched. Politicians do this. They promise you that, that the itch that you have, they can scratch. That the desires that you have, they can make them good. That your fears, they can solve. Advertisers, advertisers do the same thing. Relationships do the same thing. I had a couple, a couple weddings that I'm doing this weekend. And 
I think about that every time I'm doing a wedding or I'm reflecting on my marriage with Angela or I'm, I'm reflecting on my friendship with you guys. That every relationship holds within it this promise that this relationship is going to fulfill me and make me happy. It makes that promise. This sermon this morning is in, in some senses like that as well. I'm making a promise to you that Jesus can quench your thirst. But if that's all it is, is I'm saying out loud to you that Jesus can quench your thirst, but you are not actually oriented towards Jesus as the one who can quench that thirst, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good. So you have to do two things. You have to listen to all the promises that are out there in the culture. You have to listen to the promises that, I'm not saying that these promises are lies. This isn't like, it's not lies versus a promise. It's promises that can't pay out versus a promise that can. And you kind of have to go through each one of them and ask yourself the question, like, can the advertisers actually fulfill what they're promising to me? Can what my expectations are of my marriage actually fulfill what I think it can fulfill? Can the politicians actually fulfill the promises that, that they're making to me? Can Aaron fulfill the promises that he's making to me from the pulpit? Go through each one of those, and then what I want you to do is I want you to hear the voice of Jesus one more time. And at this point, I, I want you to be convinced and know, I'm going to read this right out of the text, that this isn't me making this promise, that Jesus is saying this to you. And if the Holy Spirit at all is telling you, yes, I want that, yes, I believe that, then, point two, you have the Holy Spirit, all right? If anyone thirsts, this is Jesus talking, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the truth. Second point, once you come to Jesus and drink, once you believe this promise of Jesus, once you are oriented towards him, once you know and rely on that he is the only one who can pay out this cosmic promise, then you'll be filled with an inexhaustible supply of living water. You will be filled with an inexhaustible supply of living water. Three things about this and we'll be done. First of all, the living water is the Holy Spirit. And here's our link with Pentecost, right? Now this he said, verse 39, about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And what I'm not gonna do this morning is talk about what it means that the Spirit had not yet been given when Jesus says in the Gospel of John, prior to Pentecost, you, you believe this because the Spirit's given it to you. We're gonna put that off for right now. It's important, but it's not necessary for our discussion here. And what I wanna emphasize here is that the Spirit definitely has been given on this side of Pentecost, which is where you and I are sitting. So if you believe Jesus, and if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given you. The living water is the Holy Spirit. Now, one quick point. What the world needs is physical water. You have to have water to survive. Literally, you have to be able to drink water. The world needs physical water, but it's a much deeper need than that. The, 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 the need that we all have is the need for God to insert himself into our stories and to connect himself to us in such a way that we, our relationships, our bodies, our minds, the entire creation is fixed. That's what the Festival of Booths is about. The new creation that's about to come in, Jesus says, I can make it happen, and the way I'm gonna make it happen is my Holy Spirit. I will give you 
the living water and it will be pouring out of you. The Spirit is the agent that makes this happen. You have it. You have this Holy Spirit now. You have new creation power inside of you because Jesus died, rose from the dead, and now has given us the gift of his Spirit. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation too. This doesn't come from us. I know verse 38b can be misunderstood as saying that somehow we are this, that the, the, the living water is coming out of us because it does say out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But here, I think what the thrust is this, is that Jesus is the one who fills us. Jesus is the living water. Jesus is the one who fills us with the living water. And he does it so much that it's overflowing out of us, out into the rest of the world. It's overflowing out of us into the rest of the world. Whether you think that's true or not, it's happening. The power is there, which brings me to my third point. St. James has the power. Just talking about you and I as individuals, that's true. But we as a church have the power from the glorified Christ to be his agent to bring about new creation in Glen Carbon. Because if you have faith in Christ, and many of you do, you've been filled with his Holy Spirit, which overflows inside of you and is now pouring out around you, which means it can't be kept in the walls of this building. It will affect Glen Carbon. It will transform, it will transform Glen Carbon. We all feel inadequate for our vocations. Those of you who are parents, you do not feel up to being a parent. Those of you who are friends, which is all of you, right? If you're honest with yourself, you don't feel up to the pressure of being a friend, the pressure of being a spouse. You probably don't feel up to the pressures of your job frequently. If you're like me, I know that you don't feel up to the call to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You don't feel up for that. It feels scary and it feels intimidating. And the entire culture feels like it's powerful. And it's sold out to these gods which have infused them with massive amounts of power. The gods of sex and money and power almost unassailable in our minds. Like there's no way we could crack that. And what Jesus is saying to you this morning is you have to believe this. If you have Jesus, you have power that's far greater than any cultural idol that could be thrown against you. That God can change the world, that Glenn Carbon can be redeemed because the Holy Spirit is in us, flowing out of us. And it's just our job to go and make that available, to go and let that happen in the presence of the world. And he will change the world. So we've coached basketball before, and those of you who've coached sports, you know this is true. It's true in a lot of other things. Those of you who teach school or those of you who've like helped a kid learn a skill, but sports is uh, more noticeable because if you've, if you've ever, well, if you've ever participated in sports or if you've ever coached sports, you know that much more than any other sort of discipline or like activity, you get instant gratification. Frequently with sports, you can talk to, uh, to, talk to an athlete, make a couple of tweaks, and they can pretty soon see results, which isn't the same like with, you know, with geometry or, uh, you know, learning big things bigger than sports. So I had a, a player when I coached basketball who was way better than he thought he was. He had a lot of skill. He was youngish, and so he always was a little bit deferential to everybody who was older on the team. And he was just by, by nature a little bit timid as well. And, and part, of my joke, part of my job as a coach was to get him to see that you're actually better than you think. You, you can you should try to shoot more. You're a scorer. You're a good little scorer. And if you're not trying to score, you're actually hurting us. 
You need to be more aggressive here. And he was like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, you know. No, no, you should know, just, just do this. Let's just go out and do this. Now, the, the analogy breaks down because he actually was a good scorer. And what Jesus is saying to us is that it's not that you're good, but that you have my Holy Spirit. And you just need to shoot the ball. You just need to go for it. You need to be more aggressive on the court. That's what the message for St. James is this morning, is that you have the Holy Spirit. Let's go do it. There's nothing to be scared of. That, that, that living water, the rivers of life that is the Christ-sent Spirit, is whether you feel it or not, I'm not talking about like a feeling, sometimes you do feel the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in a, in a great miraculous rush. And sometimes you don't. But every time, whether you feel it or you're not, whether you're thinking about it or not, whether you're confident or you're not, the Holy Spirit is there. Let, let, let's act like it's real. Let's act like the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. Let's act like Jesus has died and risen from the dead because that's a gift. It's a gift to us. It's not law. This is a gift to us that God has done. It's a gospel gift. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the gift of your Spirit. And uh, Whether we're directly contemplating your Spirit or not, whether we're experiencing the power of your Spirit viscerally or not, whether we're feeling the feels or not, whether we're actually aware when, we're gift, when our gifting is being utilized or not, make us confident, Father, in your gospel that your spirit is working in us and we'll give you the praise and glory for it as we watch Glenn Carbon redeemed and converted to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Please stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you for being such a good God and for loving us all the time and we thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for pouring him out on us. Uh, May we live in his power. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank and praise you for the marriage of Ben and Dagan Eigenbrot and we pray that you would bless them as they grow together in you and that you would give them love and faithfulness to each other and that you would give them many years of joy, deep joy in what they learn about the gospel from being married to each other. Lord, in your mercy. Father, I pray that you'd be with our ministries that you've blessed our church with, and I thank and praise you this morning, especially for our music ministry and all of the people who participate in that, our musicians and our singers, and that you would continue blessing them as they lead us in worship of you. And I pray that you'd be with our missionary, uh, Sue Hasselbring, with uh, International Student Ministries, and that you would bless her as well and provide for her as she ministers to international students like Kate, and we pray for Kate as well, again, that you would uh, continue blessing her, providing for her, and even right now be preparing hearts for students that she's going to minister to, to be receptive to the gospel that they will hear from her lips and see in her life. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you for all of our sister churches in the area this morning, and we thank you especially for St. Paul in Troy and for Pastor Culver there. We pray that you would bless them as your word is preached and your sacrament is celebrated, that you would bless them with your presence. We pray for all of the gospel-believing, Bible-preaching churches in Edwardsville and Glen Carbon too, and in the whole area, that this morning as your word is proclaimed, that your Holy Spirit would be making inroads and that slowly but surely, or uh, quickly but surely, Glen Carbon and Edwardsville would be one for you. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you this morning, Father, uh, for the memory of all those who, uh, uh, this, this weekend, for all those who uh, died protecting our country, and uh, for the ministry that you gave them, the vocation that you gave them, in that uh, we would honor them uh, uh, appropriately and with deep gratitude as a gift from you, and that we would uh, be grateful for the country that you gave to us and the calling that you've given to us to be citizens of this land and for those who've sacrificed so much to, uh, for, for us to be able to worship in a church like this and to live in neighborhoods like we live in and to experience the lives that we experience as American citizens. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, Father, we pray for all those who are struggling this morning with uh, uh, health issues and with mental health issues and with 
concerns about relationships or about money or about anything, especially, Lord, for those who are grieving in here this morning. And we continue to pray for uh, Bev, and we pray also for the family of Terry Fry, Larry's brother, uh, who passed away suddenly this week, and that you would bring the hope and comfort of your son's resurrection to them, a constant reminder to them and to us as well that by the power of Jesus' resurrection, it is guaranteed that all things will be made new and that those of us who die in your son, Jesus Christ, will be raised to new life on the last day. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray these things because you've promised us that you hear prayer and then you've invited us to pray to you and you've welcomed us into your throne room, united to your son, Jesus Christ, our brother. And so we pray all these prayers in his name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord our God, King of all creation, through Jesus Christ our Lord, according to whose true promise the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit came down with a sudden great sound as it had been a mighty wind in the likeness of fiery tongues, lighting upon the apostles to teach them and to lead them to all truth, giving them both the gift of tongues and also boldness with fervent zeal constantly to preach the gospel to all nations, whereby we've been brought out of darkness and air into the clear light and true knowledge of you and of your son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. pray together in Jesus' name, the prayer that he gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, Jesus Christ, true Lamb of God, you take the sin of the world away. Oh, Jesus Christ, true Lamb of God, have mercy on 
Please stand. Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in Christ's peace. Amen. bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Don't forget to talk to Kate on the way out. Come downstairs to Bible study as well so you can um, help us celebrate our outgoing seniors. And also, we all know this, that all the cool kids go to Bible study afterwards anyway. So see you down there. Go in peace.